Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Man, I'm happy today. Can we be happy today? There's a... There's a God that we serve that, for whatever reason, I like to think it's because we're faithful to obedience. Is done exactly what Brother Leonard has just told us. He's, he's blessed us, congregationally and individually. And so, I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are as excited about it as I am. We're, we're starting, or we started last week in a series on First Peter. I'm going to get to it here pretty quickly. So, last week we talked about the first two verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, res- who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sancti- sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with the blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. That's just his introduction, you know. Actually, it's the introduction of his introduction. And so he says, we should praise God because we are chosen. And and he was telling this to people that were being persecuted. We talked a little bit about that last week. People that were being persecuted. They were resident aliens in the area that they were resident aliens in because they had been persecuted to the degree that they had to flee from the persecution. And I'm not talking about a little, little bit of people talking trash or smack about them persecution. I'm talking about skinning them alive, setting them on fire, that kind of persecution. Real persecution. And so they fled. But he said, even in your fleeing, know that you've been chosen. That God has and is sanctifying you. That you are under covenant. And that for all of those reasons, we should have peace. Amen? Amen. And so, and then something crazy happens. So Peter does this. These first two verses, it's like he starts, listen, I want to encourage you guys to stand firm. It's the name of our series today. Or this probably... I've got it mapped out till the end of the year, and I'm halfway through chapter 3. So, it's going to be good. Um, so, but he, he does this introduction to an introduction, telling them to stand firm for all these reasons, and then he says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, everybody say great mercy, mercy. has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. So right in the middle middle of his introduction, Peter stops. He goes, man, let me tell you, God is good. I want you to be encouraged. That you've been chosen, sanctified, you've been set apart, you, you for all these reasons, you have peace. Woo, man, God is good. Y'all ever heard Brother Leonard do that? He'll be in the middle of speaking, and he'll just stop and go, Oh, the Holy Spirit done got on me. And he gets his little napkins out, and he wash, wipes his eyes. This is what Peter's doing right here in these verses. This is what's known as a doxology. This verses 3 through 5, which is literally interpreted as a hymn of praise. And so Peter stops 
talking about how awesome God is to praise how awesome God is. He just, what you call a praise break. He says, you know what, I'm stand by for a minute, and he gets it on. Y'all ever done that? Y'all ever been sitting around just thinking about God? Or driving down the street or walking through your house? And you start moonwalking across your living room like, woo, because God's good. Y'all ever seen the movie uh, War Room? Where at the end, the lady's walking around her, her kitchen and she's all, we done, Jesus done showed you today. So she's having a praise break. She's having an opportunity to glorify the God she serves because of the God that she serves. And that's so good. Happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was in my car. And that's some, something was playing on the radio. I honestly don't remember what it was. I like Kirk Franklin radio from time to time because I like that, 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 that bass, you know. I'm, a, I'm an 80s, early 90s kid, right? And so, uh, I, late 70s, early 80s kid, <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> Give me my shine, man. And so I'm sitting in the car, and something comes on. It's heavy bass, and I just start doing my thing. I start tapping my foot. I'm at the light. Thumb starts beating against the steering wheel. Shoulders start moving. My head starts knocking back and forth. Then I'm both hands on the steering wheel. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm excited about God. Hands start thumping on the steering wheel. And the next thing you know, I'm in there going. <laughs> Y'all ever been like that in your car? Brother Leonard, you ever been like that in your car? No. <laughs> And, and so I'm doing my thing, and I'm, I'm just in my own space worshiping God because of who God is. And I look over at the light, and I, I'm all. And the dude's looking at me like I've lost, lost my armor, maybe have two heads or something. And I go. <laughs> the light turns, and we move on. This is what Peter's doing here today. I'm, trying, I'm intentionally trying to be funny, but this is what Peter's doing here today. He's taking some time to stop. And just talk about for a minute to praise God for who God is. He's issuing, he's giving a hymn of praise to the people. Because sometimes the most important thing that we need to know in order to stand firm is that God is worthy to be praised. You know, we can talk all the theology and all the stuff we want to, but at the end of the day, God is worthy to be praised. And so I want to talk about that today, the hymn of praise out of verses 3 through 5. I'm going to make three relatively simple points here. Point number one, if you're taking notes, and I know I say this all the time, but take notes. People ask me, hey, what, or, or, or ask each other, or they send messages on Facebook. They, they don't remember or they want to argue my point, but don't remember the point that I made, I'm asking you to write it down, not so that you can argue with me, but so that you can study. So that if I end up being wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. But you can't point out where I'm wrong if you're not willing to take notes and study for yourself. And if I am wrong, as I've told you since we started, I'll make that wrong right from the same place I made it wrong from, which is right up here. Because that's what's fair to you guys. But you can't do that if you don't take notes. As much as you want to, most of us aren't going to remember what I said 
next week. Minus the points I just gave you, some of us don't remember what I said last week. So anyway, take notes. Point number one, praise Him because salvation comes from God through Christ by mercy. Did you hear what I said? Where are you in that equation? Nowhere. We praise Him because salvation comes from God through Christ by mercy. The first half of verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. You know what blessed means? Blessed be the God means just praise be to God. So he's encouraging them, just praise. Sometimes when life gets you down, sometimes when life is hard, know that God is for you, not against you. Know that he loves you, that he sees you, that it's going to ultimately be okay. Amen. Because your salvation isn't anything that you did. It's from God through Christ by mercy. Amen. And he makes a very significant statement here. A statement I tell you guys all the time, don't rush past the word. Don't rush through it. There's too much meat in it to rush through it. But he says something very very specific in verse 3 he says blessed be the God and Father God and Father praise God for being God praise God for being God and Father can I tell you God's God whether or not you believe God to be God or not it doesn't matter your personal opinion God created the universe whether you like it or not that's not a subjective truth that's an objective truth not subject to your feelings. It just is what it is. Watch your grass grow. The Bible tells us that if you'll just look outside, you'll see the magnificence of who God is, whether you believe Him or not. But if you watch the grass grow long enough, you're ultimately going to believe that there's a God. But He says, Our God and Father. So He has become personal to us. He should be personal to us. This is a statement only that, a Christian, that only a Christian can make. God and Father. We bless God because He is God. The bouncing up and down, all this stuff, is because God deserves to be praised. Because God deserves to be blessed. Because He's perfect in everything that He is. Now I'm not talking about what He's done for you. I'm just talking about the fact that He is God. Because He's perfectly just, because He's perfect love, because He is the perfect creator, because He is perfect in everything that He does and everything He is and everything that He will ever be, He deserves our praise for no other reason than He is God. More so that according to Isaiah, that He is our God which gives us the benefit of the and Father. That's a position of intimacy that the world, even though God is God regardless of what the world thinks of God, not the world can't call Him Father. Only those that He knows have the right to call Him Father. I'm not telling you all anything you don't already know. It's not my plan to today. My plan is to tell you that God deserves to be praised because he's God and your God. And by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he became your father. Amen?
we've been given the same intimacy with God that Jesus has. Let that rest on yourself for a minute. We've been given, you have been given, the same intimacy that Jesus has. John 14, 31. Both so that the world may know that I love the Father and do exactly as the Father commanded. Jesus always describes God as Father. I like this, 10, 15, John. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, God knows him, and he knows the Father. This isn't some intellectual headspace knowledge, although I'm not knocking headspace knowledge because you've got to learn too. We worship God in spirit and in truth. But to know literally means this. Holy affection, a particular knowledge of. And if we have the same intimacy that Jesus has with God, then we have the ability to know him, to have a holy affection for him, and a particular knowledge of him. This is the reason why some things can't be revealed to you about Scripture. Most things can't be revealed to you about the truthfulness of Scripture until the Spirit of God is placed inside of you. Because knowledge comes by the Spirit of God. Dead people don't understand the truth. But we have the blessing of being able to call Him God, our God, praise Him for His perfections, and praise Him because He can be and should be known. Now, I'll tell you, the degree to, by which you know him is large. well, not largely, yeah, largely, dependent on you. I know a lot of people that know each other. But you get past a 10-minute conversation, they don't know enough to have an 11-minute conversation. That's not the kind of conversation God, that's not the way God wants to know us. I used to have a buddy of mine, Marty Cooper, I mean, I still have a buddy named Marty Cooper, but there was a time when he told me a thing. <laughs> he said this. He used to challenge his Sunday school class. There was that, that Veterans Bridge or whatever it is in Nashville that they light up all different colors. Is that the Veterans Bridge? I think it is. He would encourage them to memorize enough verses that they could walk across that bridge and back without repeating the same verse. That's an intimacy with God. To know Him, to declare Him, to meditate on Him, to memorize His Word, His truth, and His promises, which we have the ability to do because He is God and He is our Father. And because of those things, we should recognize Jesus as Lord. As Lord. Can everybody say Lord? Lord. Can everybody act Lord? Y'all look at me like, well, what kind of question is that? It's easy for us to say Jesus is Lord, but it's hard for many of us to act as though he's Lord. Lord means ruler of. The, the sermon series that we're teaching on Sunday, I don't know if you've read this, the sermon series title slide, but it says blood-bought life. But has anybody paid attention to the sub subtitle? Your life is not your own. 
you've been bought and paid for, atoned for, loved, given grace and mercy to. But we want to live after calling Jesus Christ as Lord as though we're the Lord of our own life. But he deserves to be blessed because he is God, because he is Father, and because Jesus Christ has been made acceptable to us, ex- acceptable to us as Lord. Not acceptable. What's the word I'm looking for? Accessible. I knew it was a word. <laughs> because Jesus is Lord. We have to start living like it. Can I read you two things? 2 Corinthians reads like this. Correction, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, that's, that's not true. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm sorry. I don't know why my mind switched off. Verse 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. People that call Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because the intimacy, the knowledge they have of who God is, know these truths and live by them. That you don't get to choose what you do and how you act. In Galatians chapter 5, right before the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which we pay so much attention to, we read this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor Jim, that's some rough teaching for a Wednesday night, man. Yes. Because we as a church and individually have to get to a place where we recognize that it's never been about us. It's about God's glory. And when we act as these things after declaring Jesus Christ as Lord, we tarnish, at least in the image in the eyes of the people that watch us, the image of God. But can I tell you there's a blessing? Because like I told you in the first place, the very first bullet point, that praise we praise Him because salvation comes from God through Christ who has to be Lord. But when we fail, it comes by mercy. I'm not telling you it's okay to sin. Paul says don't abuse grace. But can I tell you all of us jack something up? Anybody in here not done something they knew or did something they knew they weren't supposed to do this week? I, I mean, I, I, I did several things I knew I wasn't supposed to do this week. I fussed my wife this morning because I was tired and didn't feel good. You know, the Bible tells me that'll stop my prayers from being answered. Did you know that? Man, that's a big deal. But you know what I do? I don't waller in that. You ask forgiveness from her. You ask forgiveness from God. You expect that God will send mercy, which is really just the working of grace in your life. Mercy is defined as an, as an action 
taken by someone that has a right to punish you, but decides to be compassionate and forgiving to you instead. So where we don't make him Lord, don't stop killing yourself, man, over it. Leave it alone. Just ask God to forgive it. Walk in grace and mercy, expecting that he will, because the Bible says that he will. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says this. You guys are very familiar. But God, being rich in mercy, which is the demonstration of grace, offering you compassion and forgiveness when you deserve judgment, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Man, that's good. You can't earn it, haven't worked for it, and deserve to be punished for it, but God said no and sent his son Jesus instead. And if that ought not make you bounce around, jump around in your car and do all the stuff that Peter was doing, the stuff I did last week, I don't, I don't have anything else for you. That should make us excited. That should make us happy. That should cause us to bless God. But there's more reasons than just this to bless God. Point number two says, praise Him because our hope is living and eternal. Salvation comes from God through Christ by mercy. When you give your life to the Lord, you have a, pr a promise. And that promise ain't going away. That your hope is eternal let's say it again your hope is eternal now do i believe that you can walk away from from your salvation i believe it's possible i don't think it's near as possible as people would have you believe it is i believe god holds you much more tightly than most folks would have you believe he holds you but the fact of the matter is most of the letters written or intended, even this one, to encourage us to stand strong. If we don't stand strong, what happens? We fall. Why would all the writers of all the epistles tell us to stand strong, keep driving on, don't drift away, all of these things, if any of those things aren't possible? But can I tell you, it's much harder than you think it is. And it's impossible if you'll live your life in a state of constant repentance. Just ask God to forgive you. I'm going to jump back to the mercy piece, the grace piece. Anybody hear me today? I'm trying to encourage you to stand strong. By God, through Christ, or from God, through Christ, by mercy. And the hope that you have is eternal, so stand strong. Whatever you're dealing with, stand strong. Whatever's going on in your life, stand strong. Whatever sin you're dealing with, stand strong. Turn it over to God. Believe that He's strong enough to handle your problem. Now, you're still going to have that problem tomorrow, probably, unless God miraculously delivers you from it. But let me tell you, allow yourself to be, place yourself on the cross and let God pull it out of you by the power of His Holy Spirit and just be sensitive to His Spirit and it will be eventually pulled out of you. Feel good. I got. It's good. First, to make this point, Peter says, 
You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You have a living hope. It saddens me, though, that believers, non-believers, non-believers have a dying hope. The most they can hope for is whatever happens up to the last moment of their life. Because the Bible says this about that. Ephesians 2.12, remember that you were, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God. I've emphasized very specific words to show our state prior to our living hope, which was a dead hope. We are separated, excluded, strangers, with no hope and without God. But God, and let me go back to Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, being rich in mercy because of his great love by which he had loved us, even when we were in that condition, dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. And so Peter just wanted to celebrate God. And we should be wanting to celebrate God. Y'all understand how huge this is? How incredible this is? I want you guys to fall. I want you guys to fall in love with the word. I want you to read what you read in the Bible and believe it. I don't mean like, yeah, I believe that. There was a question, Pastor Rick and another gentleman taught a class when we were at Cornerstone. I think it was you. What was the name of it? Do you believe that? The Truth Project. And the Truth Project was a class that we took. And it had one purpose, to declare the truth of the Word of God. But it had a question that they would ask at the beginning of every class. Do you believe that what you say you believe is really real? I mean, really. Do you? I don't want to answer. I want some introspection. I want you to meditate on the question. When God says that his salvation comes from him, through Jesus, because he loves you, and that your eternity is secure, and that he's going to keep you and loves you and has hope and mercy for you, and that all of those things being eternal, believe that it's true. And you'll find yourself in the same place in your car that I found myself a couple weeks ago. Because there's no way that your feet can stop moving when you realize the truth of that. Which is why we're responsible, why it's so important that our feet never quit moving. One of the things I love about Brother Litter, his feet never stop moving, declaring this truth. I've never had a conversation with a man that he's not brought up, brought up Jesus. I've never heard him have a conversation with someone that they didn't talk about Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying several in the room aren't that way. But Brother Litter, without fail, 
Jesus. Because he believes, or I believe he believes, that what he says he believes is really real. And for that, we should praise God. Mm, it's good. Because, it, because at the end of the day, I love this. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Point number three. Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me make an illustration here first. Before we move on to point three, I want to talk about the eternality of eternity. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid. But you know, there's a song, Amazing Grace. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. But it says something about when we've been there 10,000 years. What's the, what's the line after that? Shining as the sun. Yeah, that it will have just begun, something like that. 10,000 years. Imagine if you can. I just want you to close your eyes and just imagine this. Imagine you can an iron ball as big as the earth. I know. That's why I had you close your eyes. Now imagine once a year, only one time a year, one single drop of water hits that iron ball. Can I tell you when eternity, when that, when that ball by that single drop of water once a year has been totally destroyed and turned into rust and dust, eternity will have not yet started. That's a long time. That's a long time for us to be in the eternal presence of a God that did everything in the world that needed to be done, everything in the heavens and the earth that needed to be done to ensure that our salvation is eternal and that we have an everlasting hope. Man, I love that. Number three. Praise Him because you are protected by the power of God. Verse five. For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You guys know that the only verse my pastor highlighted in my Bible, or some of you do. This, he gave me this Bible when I first gave my life, or when, I, when he ordained me. I've had to replace the cover because we beat the cover off of it. But the only, the only verse that he highlighted in it was Isaiah 41.10. He says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen, remember we talked about that, I'm your God, but in an intimate, true knowing kind of way. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promises to not only give you salvation through Christ Jesus by his own grace, but to, and that that would be eternal, but that he would strengthen you and protect you by his own power. That's that's awesome. I want to, let me let me read you one final passage of scripture. Romans eight thirty five through thirty nine. 
And I, just, I don't want you to read it with me. I want you to just listen. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? That's a rhetorical question. He's about to tell you why nobody is the answer. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Man, that's a word on time for the people in Peter's day. But, it, but as it is written, For your sake we were being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If that doesn't make you want to stop and take a praise break, I don't know what would. Amen?